1: Let's
0: begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. monday, november twenty second. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. that is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listeners. So when you hear the date, november twenty second comes to mind. Well, for those of you that have been around for a while, or or study history in Dallas, JFK was shot in Dallas on this notable day, 1963. And so uh, not one of the better moments for Texas, but it's also one of those dates that stand out. We all remember where we were at. Jack and Alice, do you guys remember when you were at, when you got the news that JFK was shot?
2: Yeah, I actually do.
3: I think I was in third grade.
2: uh, (laughs) I was sixth grade, I think.
0: Yeah, Alice, you do?
3: Okay, so we're all giving away our ages. I was three. No, I don't three. remember. I don't remember.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, it was a notable day, but another tragedy took place over the weekend, folks. Our hearts go out to those in Wisconsin. Unimaginable. Someone driving through a crowd, running over older people, grandmas, babies. I mean, just hearing some of the statistics on that. So our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to those so deeply impacted in Wisconsin. So much going on in the world, and it just rips your heart out when you hear these kind of stories. But we've got a heartwarming story this Day on uh, November twenty second here in Austin Texas with a Look at a podcast we've got Dale Larson and Dale Larson Jr. So we got Jr. and the third joining us in the hot topic segment. They both co founded and partnering in and in investors in Modex, and we have one of our sponsors. I'm really excited about it because we're talking about data accessibility and how is it enhancing recruiting and the industry transparency, especially as we look into 2022. So looking forward to having them on the podcast. A lot of great information we were sharing with them. I just love these two because it's a father and son team and I love these kind of stories. Father-son team stories really touch my heart, as family, especially as we get close to the holidays. So it's timely that we're going to have them on. it would be a great interview in the Hot topic segment. Well, I'll say we're Thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Check out all the podcasts on IndustrySyndicate.com. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Grateful to have their sponsorship, as well as Finastra's Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. Great solution. And these days, check out the podcast we did with Karen Jenkins talking about UX, user experience, and CX, what the importance of that is. Check that out in October. Uh, fourth, we did that interview and a uh, lot more coming out about that. That's getting downloaded a lot. So, kind of call your attention to that podcast because others are listening to it and going, What does the number one fintech company in the world think about UX and CX, customer experience, user experience? And so, you'll definitely want to plug into that. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these are co ops that help you and get up close and personal and get you get to know other lenders or vendors. We're a part of both of these organizations. Really pleased to be. Uh, affiliated with them, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Incelerate helps lenders grow more closely to their consumers that they engage with. And so they do a great job of engaging borrowers in a more effective way, developing prospects and into customers and also engaging previous customers. Also, Ken Perry and the and group at Knowledge Group do a great job of what they're doing at helping you with, learn and train your people. Check out knowledgegroup.com. That's C-O-O-P dot com. Also, Mobility MMI as well as Modex. We've got Modex on here today, but Mobility, I think the two fit nicely together. They both are a complement to each other, both help you in the recruiting. And so we're going to be talking with Dale, Dale and Dale of Modex today. we just really pleased with that we have both of them as sponsors. Also, SnapDocs. Check out Vishal Rana's podcast from September 13th. Newest sponsor, Success Kit. The most effective way to reach your audience is not necessarily through your own words, but through that of the others. I, there's an old proverb that says, Let another man's mouth praise you, not that of your own. It's a principle that I operate on. Find people to talk about you and what you've done for them. You can have a much more effective way. We're using Success Kit both in the podcast as well as in our consulting business. They're doing an amazing job of collecting written and video testimonies from our customers and having them tell our story. It's the most powerful thing. Check out successkit.io. You'll learn more about it. We're going to be talking a lot more about it in the months ahead. Also, Lenders Toolkit. We always call them LTK, but they're known in the industry for being really innovative. Very excited about having them as our newest sponsor. Check out all the sponsors on our sponsorship page. Looking forward to telling you more about both of our new sponsors. So a special thank you goes out to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack, my co hosts on this podcast. And we appreciate you being here. Let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst with the NBA Mortgage Minute and what Rob's got for us.
2: Rob? Hi, I'm Rod Van Rapforce. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Well, the big news last week was that FHA sent its annual report to Congress. And as expected, FHA is doing really well. The capital ratio for its mutual mortgage insurance fund was just over 8%. This is a 14-year high. Now, much of this success can be attributed to the recovery of the reverse mortgage program. But despite the good news, FHA is not planning to cut insurance premiums, at least not at this time. Instead, they're waiting to see what happens with the delinquencies in the FHA portfolio and borrowers who are in forbearance. MBA was quick to release a statement saying that the strength of the FHA MMI fund is a welcome development and that it shows the strong financial stewardship of the fund by HUD and other stakeholders, including lenders. But MBA also pointed out that HUD should examine reducing FHA premiums, especially because premiums have been at their current levels for nearly seven years. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, good job. That's, uh, I mean, even though that fund is uh, flush of cash right now, flesh, I mean, we don't know where this thing is going yet. So, I mean, I think it's important that we try to get these premiums down, make the programs as affordable as possible. So uh, I really defer to the MBA. They got a good finger on the pulse of what's going on. And what you can do, folks, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance app. You can do this on any of your smartphones. You can have your voice heard in D.C. So you think, well, voice will I have? You cannot imagine. The importance of when we're supporting Bill Kelmer and the team there at the NBA and Bob Brooks with what they're trying to do and, and communicating our interests on the Hill, we're a little outgunned right now by the NRA, National Association of Realtors, and the home builders even. We need to have our voices heard. And so when we combine and do this through this Mortgage Action Alliance app, you get your voice heard on the Hill. And it does make a difference. So be sure to get signed up for that as well. So let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les, what you got for us? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy.
4: Are bulls raining again? Markets know it's hard to pretend. Are the bulls on the verge of raining again? From mid-July to late October, bears anticipated normal functioning markets. They saw the Fed coordinating with the other central banks like the days before COVID. But the bulls saw a bridge too far. The data show slowing growth. With no more pretending and Friday's close in the 10-year yield below 155, our 138 target looks like it arrives by Christmas. So bulls have heart again. These views are my own. Read how bulls get back up again at TMSpotlight.com.
0: Good job, Les Parker. TV up with Garrett Kentribone, and they, they do a good job each and every week. So, Alice, we were talking just before the podcast, and you are famous for writing down... What is predicted? Share your thoughts. Share with our audience what you uh, wrote down at the beginning of the year and what's come to pass.
3: Yeah. Hi, everyone. So I wrote down back on January 18th at the beginning of this year. I bounced forward to my calendar this week and wrote a note that said Les Parker predicted interest rates would be over 3% by this time by the beginning of December and here we are so we've been watching rates and and back then in January it was really unpredictable you have to remember the environment we were in was still very uncertain we didn't have a vaccine yet there were so many uncertainties at that point to understand where we might be so there you go that's uh, prediction was correct
0: well that's Parker coming through again
3: Good job, Les Parker. You got fans.
0: And I love the fact that Alice writes these things down and keeps you accountable. So shout out to uh, Les and that. Thanks, Alice. Appreciate you sharing that. Matt Graham is here with us on a recorded message. He's the founder and CEO of MBSLive.net with his market update. So, Matt, thanks for being here. What you got for us today?
5: This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live market update. Last week was a mix of good and bad for the bond market with things starting off in relatively negative fashion. Yields were moving higher as a part of a corrective move that began in the previous week. The first day of trading, Monday, November 15th, was uh, sharply higher with yields getting all the way up to 1.63 in terms of 10-year yields. Part of the concern or part of the motivation for that was the ramp up in corporate bond issuance something that is always sort of a behind-the-scenes market mover for the broader bond market. Corporate bonds necessitate some hedging with treasuries that can involve treasury sales at the beginning of the process, but we will talk more about what happens at the end of the process in a moment. The middle of the week saw the corporate pipeline clear and decreased pressure from the supply side of the equation and also saw some banks buying back their hedges. So when those corporate bonds are hedged with treasury sales, those hedges can be bought back in certain situations. Last week was one of them. And the yields came down starting on Wednesday, pretty nice rally on Wednesday. And that accelerated into the end of the week with Friday being uh, the sharpest rally. And that was actually driven by European COVID concerns for lack of a more interesting way to put it. But the most interesting development As a part of that broader European concern was Austria's announcement of fresh lockdown measures as well as a vaccine mandate. And there was a very clear reaction between uh, stocks, bonds, and volume right when that Austria news came out. In addition to Austria, several other European countries are parabolic in terms of their COVID case counts. And while we can only speculate as to what that will do to the economy – In general, the market is still trading COVID as more of it is better for bonds, worse for stocks. The counterpoint to that and something that we've been discussing on MBS Live a bit in the past few weeks is the extent to which COVID-inspired economic weakness has sort of a, a dual implication for inflation because the more COVID locks down the economy, the more it can create supply side constraints. And inflation, of course, is bad for bonds, so it's a little bit of an offsetting factor or at the very least it could serve to limit the improvement in the bond market that can be driven by COVID. Uh, The other consideration, maybe a little closer to home, remains to be seen, of course, is the connection between ambient temps. Yes, we're talking about weather and COVID case counts. There's a strong correlation there, and it is starting to get colder in the U.S., so there perhaps is some hesitation to run up rates too quickly on the part of U.S. traders for that reason. Uh Fed Chair Powell will remain Fed Chair. That is the big news at the start of the current week. There was a lot of speculation as to how that would go down. He was the odds-on favorite, although there was some possibility that Brainerd would get the nod. And she is the more dovish of the two candidates. And when Powell was announced this morning, bonds weakened a little bit. It wasn't dramatic. It was token weakening for the less dovish of the two candidates being selected. It's not the sort of thing that's going to have... A lasting impact on the bond market, and if anything, this morning's weakness is being driven by supply concern with uh, the week's treasury cycle being condensed into the first two days of the week. That has to do with the Thanksgiving holiday, so we'll have uh, two-year notes and five-year notes today, seven-year notes tomorrow, as well as two-year floating rate notes. And all of the week's economic data will be in by Wednesday, with core PCE inflation being the headliner, arguably, on Wednesday at 10 a.m. After that, activity will die down rapidly. Friday will be essentially a closed day of trading, even though it's only an early close officially. And we will be waiting until the following week to assess the market's stance, as far as bonds are concerned, because this week is sort of a throwaway week. When you look at historical examples, sometimes we get big moves in one direction or another direction, and they can be completely erased, or things can accelerate in the following week. So it's a little bit of a wild card, and we want to be careful about reading too much into anything that happens this week, unless it is happening due to a very clear catalyst with a very clear message. That'll do it for this week. But as always, remember that Lickin' on Lending listeners get double the free time on their MBS Live trials with no credit card requirement and a streamlined sign-up process by using the code LOL in the sign-up screen on mbslive.net. Back to you, Dave.
0: Thank you very much. Good job. Appreciate that. Be sure to sign up for this service. I've got it out behind me all the time. It's watching what's going on in the markets. And I leave my office. I pick it up right on my cell phone, my iPad. It's always with me. Great tool. Very effective. Love this service. Thank you, Matt Graham. Good to have you here, friend. So let's move on to Alice Alvey. Alice, good to have you here. Alice is CMB, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home. And she's got a legislative update. Also, I'm just interested in some of the things she's focused on, we especially get into the end of the year. So Alice, what you got?
3: Hi, Dave. Well, as you heard from the MBA, from Rob Van Rapport, that HUD issued their actuarial report or their annual report. And I love going through this to see what the trends are in the industry. You learn a lot as a lender, so I recommend everybody take a look at it. What's really interesting to me is a few points about the way the FHA portfolio looks today. And as you heard Rob mention, the portfolio FHAs, Cash looks very healthy. The fund is sitting at over 8%, which is very high, a big cushion over where its minimum mandate has been. But you have to remember this group saw some real tough times during the more challenging economies over the last several years and became concerned about whether or not there was actually going to have taxpayers for the first time have to supplement the fund. And so they still remember all of that, and it's not going to be anything quick that from our vantage point anyway as a lender for FHA to take any action on dropping the premiums. So when you read the report, they're sitting at just under 400,000 borrowers that are sitting in forbearance. They've got around 300,000 who are in serious delinquents and forbearance. And so it's really just trying to see how that is going to all play out in the coming winter months. So we'll definitely need a good six months and into next year to see what happens. So lots of factors playing into it. But as far as what's safe to originate, that's the other thing I look at. How low are the scores that they're seeing? And this continues to drop when you look at the number of loans that are below a 619 credit score continue to drop. So as lenders want to be in that space of manual underwriting, it's just be aware and watch that you are in a very thin space that FHA is watching very, very closely. So if you like being on the radar, FHA loans with scores below 619 is an interesting place to be we're seeing dti's also level off where there was a long trend for dti's to keep reaching above the average dti to hit that 44 range and in 2021 the number of fha dti's around 50% was only 23% of the loans so lots of loans to increased that are relying on a gift, so close to 40% of loans, are, FHA's loans are relying on some form of down payment assistance, whether from like your state HFA bond programs or from a family member. So real interesting data to understand the product. And probably the best one that mortgage lenders love is that they are over 91% of the market. Depositories are about 9% of the market now, and that's just dropped dramatically since 2010. So lots of good data in there to understand your FHA borrowers and the best place to be in the market. So that's what I wanted to share with everyone today, Dave. And I think next week I'll save my leadership discussion since there was so much to unpack here with the fund and the data that's in there. But Good. I'd love to share with our listeners how we're managing through the growth that Union Home is going through and yeah, development of leadership. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll share yeah. some more of that in the future shows. Yep, yep. I
0: got to get you on the look on Leadership podcast, get an interview of you there, because I love the leadership you bring to the industry and, and to Union Home. But we've got Les Parker who dialed in, and he, his ears were burning so uh, he texted me and he going, Okay, do you want me to talk about race? Of course. Well, Good to have you
4: here, Fred. <laughs> well, that's awfully sweet of Alice to to share like that and mark down the calendar. We are currently above three and we were headed that direction. So I thought I might give you a kind of a sneak preview of what we're looking at for next year. Oh, yeah. You guys kind of were bringing up that topic. Put it in my newsletter today, and I do appreciate those signing up. We do have a ways for people to get the full version free if they put in power when they yep. check out with the code. Yeah, so – That's uh, great, and it gives them a lot of information. They can cover it quickly, or they can dig in on different parts. But the rest of this year and next year is going to be wild. We're set up for some interesting times. Maybe that's just the easiest way to put it. (laughs) And so I was on an airplane flight recently, and I watched part of a new Disney movie out called Cruella. And Mm -hmm. in there, they use 30 different songs throughout the movie, and it made me think of kind of what I do with song parodies on the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, because they kind of have all of this action going on, and they set it to different music from the 60s and 70s that was all in the London music scene during that time for the movie. And I was listening to it, so I thought Whisper Whisper was the first one that I did today. So if people want to kind of follow that, I'm going to try and use most of the songs, probably not all. But uh, over the next few weeks, the next 20 or so letters, I'll probably use those songs so be able to have a hint now, a clue, into (laughs) because I know people try to solve the brittle every time. So you might say good things ahead, perspective.
0: Yeah, you talk about craziness. Usually that's good for the bond market, driving rates lower. If it's ridiculously scary, crazy. There's a flight to quality, which usually has a positive impact on interest rates. Are you telling us we're going to be back under three? Is that it? Is that what craziness
4: brings? I do think there's a very good chance for that.
0: Should Alice write
4: that down? Or is <laughs> well, that? I'll tell did you, what? you hedge
0: in that statement? Sounded like a hedge to me, Jack. Oh,
4: I'm, you can't be a secondary marketing guy and not always hedge. Listen, the one thing I am confident of for the next six months, certainly uh, even out to the end of next year, is volatility will be higher. So mm-hmm. we are not going to see calm times. So we did, if you cut out that large piece for a couple months there before the Fed came in and aggressively intervened in March and April of last year, we've had actually, we went right back to calmness. And before that, we had calmness because we have the central banks so aggressively in the marketplace. They Mm -hmm. are intervening. And that intervention, forget the direction of rates. What it really does is it puts a wet blanket on everything. So everything gets muted. So they're lifting the wet blanket. So with that change, right, you start having less. uh, They're still buying bonds. They're still buying mortgages, but they're buying fewer of them. And that's setting up for some significant changes. I, and also, technically, there's some things. It'd be interesting if Matt Graham is on the line right now. I know he likes technicals. But if you listen to the whispers, so this week's going to be quiet, more than likely. But if you listen to the whispers, that is, if you look at the charts, if you kind of look at the way rates are kind of trading right now, we're setting up for a major conflict between the bulls and the bears within the next few months. And we are going to break significantly one way or the other. I think we have a very good chance of seeing the 10-year above 210. Currently, it's at 150 or so. And what is it right now? I should just pull it up here. I don't have Matt Graham's. I have Thomson Reuters icon. So we're sitting at 161 right now. So we have a good chance of being at 210, but we also have a very good chance to break down to below one in the 10-year. I don't both know when, but we're going to see both those within eight months. So hold on to your uh, seat because uh, it's going to be wild. I really appreciate you kind of boxing in what the future may look like. Is the, the key driver to the volatility, in your mind, the tapering by the central banks or, or the tapering by the Fed? Yes, absolutely. Intervention by – major government or central banks. So you can have significant fiscal stimulus or even a contraction of spending. If you have major changes in tax policy, major changes in spending policy, or you have major changes in central bank policies, those are things that will either increase or decrease volatility. And right now, we are getting – with the major central – and quite frankly, many of the next year central banks to the G10 is – we are seeing them all moving towards less accommodation. So, the answer is yes, Jack. I do see increased volatility because the markets are going to be less constrained. They're not going to have major powers coming in and trying to push things one way or the other. I guess – yeah, I kind of draw a big question mark and say we really don't know what the true market looks like because of all of the intervention by the Fed and central banks. And now as we begin to peel off that intervention in layers, right, we're going to get, you know, some insight into what the real market is. Absolutely. We talk about transparency in markets and the greater transparency you have, the greater Truer values you will see in the marketplace, whether it 's in stocks or in bonds, whether it 's in fixed incomes or it's in equities, so absolutely and right now these central banks are moving towards the economies functioning more with with less intervention they're they're never completely gone, <laughs> but with less right. intervention, and with less intervention, the marketplace has to kind of figure out what value is, not what other forces think value should be, and that's going to create an increase in volatility
0: interesting. We could make a whole yep. podcast out of that. So, Les, we got to have you come back on and
4: talk about yep. this. Very uh, good. We're going you. higher or we're going lower or we're going to do both. Actually, I'll say <laughs> we're going to do both over the next eight, eight months and it will be so, a fun ride. So. so that, that, <laughs> he, all he's stuck above.
3: with the Doug Duncan <laughs> philosophy. If you're going to give a rate, don't give a time. If you're going to give yeah. a date, <laughs> don't give a rate, right? Oh, <laughs> uh,
4: yes, I just had dinner with him just a few weeks ago during the convention. So yes, he he does say that one a lot, doesn't he? It's Always great to talk with you guys. And Jack, great to have you on the broadcast. You really bring some wisdom to the broadcast that it is comparable to Alice's. So yeah, yeah, I'll (laughs) leave it at that. And so we'll, Alan, we'll let Dave, just keep moving the ball. So have a good one, Dave. <laughs> so Alan, he
0: left you and I out. I don't know what that means for you and I, but we got Alan Pollock here for the tech update. Al, Alan, <laughs> I know,
4: fantastic. He didn't say anything. That's all the only reason why I didn't trade. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Alan. Oh, I'm, I was looking bad. for a yeah. second way Well,
1: last, it's thanks.
4: because Alan, Alan's actually within a blockchain, so he's constrained. He really can't do anything oh, until it's his oh, time. You press the button. <laughs> you, get, you
0: get it, so. Good. I'm glad you joined in, friend. Yep. Anyway, Alan, good to have you here. Appreciate you being joining us, man.
1: It is great to be here. I'm going to keep my segment super short today because it's always good to hear the experts talk about expert and fun stuff. Just a couple quick announcements, David. Some really interesting things going on right now. Yep. I don't know if everybody saw the news, but Encino and Simple Nexus. Now, we heard of yep. Simple Nexus. Obviously, we know yep. who they are, but because uh, they acquired uh, LBAWare just a few weeks back, well, I just acquired Simple Nexus. And um, if you don't know who Encino is, they're an end-to-end leader in cloud banking. They're really a, a company that's providing full transformation end-to-end for banking, everything from in branch to online and cloud banking, account opening, uh, you name it. And Simple Nexus, get this, $1.2 billion. Yeah. And that's a huge amount of money and huge amount of valuation, but uh, congratulations to them. I can tell you from when I was in online banking, that Encino was an amazing company with a lot of technology. And I've been saying for the longest time, folks like Blend and others, there's an uncapped market, about 12,000 or maybe not about 10,000 financial institutions out there. Glenn recently made an announcement that they were going in that direction. Actually, when when Ellie May sold, I said that they're going to go down that path. Well, here you go. I mean, just took the bull by the horn. This makes perfect sense for them. So congratulations to everyone on that side of it. And if you are an online bank or you're a bank, but you want to become online, or you're a technology company that wants to become a bank, go check out Encino. Tons of integration, tons of great stuff. That's an unsolicited advertisement for them, but I've known their technology <laughs> for some time, and they've got some great stuff. So just talking about financing, David, I'm sure we'll hear a couple more deals come out before the end of the year, especially when no one really knowing what's going to happen with taxes next year. But we do have Maxwell. They just took, I mean, we talked about that, $52.5 million yep. in financing. By the way, Roostify, well, before I even get to Roostify, Flowify sold the Porch, which is a real tech company, real estate technology for $90 million. And then we also have this week Roostify, just on the, the conversation of point of sale platforms, uh, Roostify and Lender Price now have a new integration, getting pricing eligibility and all those fun things to the front side of the transaction there. Talk about something really cool I saw online, David, just shifting a little bit here. You've heard of Forbes magazine, I'm sure. Well, they have an awesome article called Tech is Humanizing Mortgage, and it's exactly what the industry needs. Go check it out. I'm not going to give you any pieces from it. Maybe we'll save it for a different day, but I'll read it again. It's from Forbes, and it's called Tech is Humanizing Mortgage, and it's exactly what the industry needs. It's a really cool article. Go read that. The next item we have is Dorvest. So DoorVest is a technology company. They've acquired a Series A, 14000000 million. They're brand new. They're from their garage. Okay? What? Now they have a team of over 30 spread around. They're from San Francisco, so where a lot of tech companies or fintech companies are born. They've grown 14 times in the last six months, and they've partnered with hundreds of customers. So here's the reason why I mentioned them today, not because they got $14 million in cash, right? You think about what everyone's getting right. nowadays. It doesn't seem like a lot of money. This is what I like the best. They're a technology platform that provides access to real estate. Customers sign up online, they specify the type of home that they're looking for, and they place an initial deposit, and then DoorVest handles the rest, the finding and acquiring the home, renovating, placing tenants, managing the property, and then the customer purchases the home from DoorVest, becomes a new owner, and starts collecting monthly rental checks, all managed with technology. And it's a great story. If you want to read a good fintech story about how somebody who wasn't in mortgage but couldn't find a home and needed a technology solution created this company and again out of their garage, which we don't think that happens that often these days, right? Go check out DoorVest. Very, very cool. David, mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave the rest of the items off. I want to mention one thing that we'll get into next week, but that is there is an article and report, it references the Stratmore survey. And basically, it talks about how better tech doesn't mean better profit. And we'll talk about that next week. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for being our listeners. We appreciate it. And looking forward to the hot topic.
0: Yes, great way to to end the mortgage industry update with a Thanksgiving. Thankful for our listeners. That's a great job. Thanks, everybody, for being there. Alan. Alan is so thoughtful. I I mean, I've been – I mean, one time, if you ever see me set up at one of these conferences, it's Stress City. And Alan was trying to be so helpful one time. And he was there unwrapping chords. I didn't know that he worked in a TV studio or in a radio studio or wherever I was, but he, he had so much experience, and he was willing to help. And I was so stressed out at the time. It was really appreciated. This is a guy – I find people like Alan who love to give, and that just – that's why I got him on the podcast. He's giving out great information. Alan, I really appreciate you, but I am going to have to record the song, Who Let the Dogs Out, because your pups do interrupt. Well, I know, right? <laughs> Thank you, David. Appreciate you as well. I love you, buddy. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks, to all of our listeners. As Alan said, we appreciate you being here for all of the podcasts. Again, for those of you who are listening on a downloaded basis, you're going to want to move right on to the next podcast because we're going to go into the hot topic segment now. I'm just so grateful to have you as our listeners. We're grateful for you. It's Thanksgiving week. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving holiday. So grateful for all of our sponsors, Finaster, CMLA, Lenders One, Accelerate, Mobility MMI, Modex, who we've heard from today, uh, the MBA Knowledge Cube, Mortgage Collaborative, Snap Docs, as well as Success Kit now, and Lenders Toolkit. We're going to be having next week on Brent Embler with Lenders Toolkit, talking about some of the latest, greatest things. This is one of those companies that snuck by me. When Brent moved over to the company from uh, Velma, and he just all excited about it, and now I know why. We're going to hear all about it next week. Special thank you also goes out to Jack, my co-host, as well as Alice, Alan, Matt, and all of you who make this podcast. Thanks for Les Parker dialing in. You wrote that down, Alice. Got that written down. We know exactly what interest rates going to be doing. Crazy year next year. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week. And share this podcast with others. Appreciate it. Blessings. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.